Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, before we get into it this week, I did want to say thank you to everyone who came to the launches for Friday Barnes 11 Last Chance over the last two weekends. So Sydney this weekend and Melbourne the weekend before that. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, that book has well and truly been launched into the world. Uh, if you couldn't come, because obviously I can't be everywhere, I, most of the people listening to this are not in Sydney or Melbourne. So if you couldn't come, the book is still available everywhere. So you can order it from my local bookshop, the bookshop Barrel, if you'd like a, a, a signed copy. You just contact that store and they can ship a signed copy anywhere in the world. Or if you'd like free shipping, then I recommend you use bookdepository.com. Uh, they ship everywhere in the world and they have all my titles. So that's a good place to go. Uh, so now, today, I'm going to read to you a chapter from uh, Nanny Piggins and the Daring Rescue, the seventh book in that series. Uh, and then going forward, next week onwards, I'm going to be doing The Pesky Kids again. So I've already done the first three books on this podcast, and there are two more books in that series. So my plan is to get through those two books over the next few months. Um, I'm not going to do three episodes a week like I did when I did The pesky kids previously, I'm going to do a weekly episode, but it'll be longer. It'll be about 23 minutes per episode. So I think it's going to take eight to 10 weeks to do each book. Uh, beyond that, I'm not sure how it's going to pan out. Uh, I want to be back doing these standalone episodes by September or well, before September, because that's when the book of Bedtime Stories with R.A. Spratt is coming out. And also I've got a book coming out in June that's all about Hamlet. So I was thinking of doing like a mini Shakespeare festival because you remember I did do an episode about Romeo and Juliet and I have got a story about Nanny Piggins doing Hamlet. So I could do those two stories again and then uh, do a chapter from my new book about Hamlet. So somewhere around June, I'll stop doing the pesky kids and I'll have a little Shakespeare festival. I might even write a couple of extra like Nanny Piggins Macbeth or something. We'll see. And then we'll finish off the pesky kids and get back into the standalone stories and get plow through September and hopefully make it to Christmas with those stories. So that is my plan for the rest of the year. So <laughs> it's an ambitious plan. Hopefully I'll be able to see it through. All right, well, let's get into today's story. Uh, this one, as I said, it's from uh, Nanny Pickens and the Daring Rescue. Uh, in the book, it's chapter two, and it's called Nanny Pickens and the Hair Salon. But I wrote this over 10 years ago, and I look at it now, and I think that's not a great title. It should really be called Nanny Pickens and the School Photo Day, because that's kind of what the chapter is more about. So that's what I'm going to title it um, here on the podcast. So let's get stuck in. Here we go. Nanny Piggins and the Hair Salon As Derek, Samantha and Michael approached their house, they were nervous. Usually Nanny Piggins met them at the bus stop, but on this day she had not, and that could mean any number of things. 
She could have been kidnapped by a circus recruiter. She could have been arrested for wrestling with a cake wholesaler. Or she simply could have lost track of time after her watch had been bitten off by a crocodile. So, as they walked up their front path, they were relieved, as well as concerned, to hear the loud banging and screaming going on inside. They were relieved because the screaming was in the distinctive voice of their nanny. But concerned because, from all the yelling, it sounded like she was single-handedly fighting off a team of sumo wrestlers. Derek, being the eldest, put his key in the lock and opened the door. Samantha and Michael stood defensively behind him as he stuck his head around the doorframe and called out, "'Is everything all right?' The thudding continued in a distant part of the house. As Boris burst into the corridor, tears streaming down his face. He rushed forward and gave Derek a big bear hug, almost but not quite dislocating his spine. "'Oh, thank goodness you're home!' wept Boris. "'What is it?' asked Samantha. "'What's wrong?' "'Are the police trying to arrest her?' asked Michael. "'Is Eduardo, the flying armadillo, claiming to be the world's greatest flying animal again?' asked Derek. "'Did the dry cleaner get the chocolate stain out of her silk dress?' asked Samantha. "'The one she's been saving because it was particularly delicious.' "'No! Much, much worse!' said Boris, between sobs. "'She got her trotter stuck!' "'In what?' asked Derek, struggling to imagine what his athletically and acrobatically gifted nanny could possibly be stuck in. "'In a jar of maraschino cherries!' explained Boris. "'She was making a black forest cherry cake, and obviously you need a whole jar of cherries for that!' But the last cherry at the bottom of the jar wouldn't come out. So Sarah reached in to get it out, but then she couldn't get her trotter back out again. Did you try smothering it with butter? asked Samantha. That was the first thing we tried, said Boris. In fact, we did it twice, because the first time she kept licking it off. But why the thudding and banging? asked Michael. Well, she tried smashing the glass jar off, but then she worried that she might cut herself and blood would ruin the flavour of the maraschino cherry, said Boris. So now she's trying to find something she can wedge the jar in so she can yank it off. And why the yelling, asked Derek. Oh, that's mainly been me, admitted Boris, a tear beginning to well in his eye once more. She wanted me to yank the jar off for her. She says I'm a ten-foot-tall bear, so I should be strong enough. The children looked at each other, not knowing what to say. Boris was enormous and super strong. They didn't understand why he couldn't just yank it off either. Did you try, asked Samantha. Yes, I'd do anything to help my sister, said Boris. But every time I tugged, she yelped, which made me cry, because I'd do anything not to hurt my sister. Let's go and see if we can help, suggested Derek, as he led the way to the kitchen. But when he opened the door... Everything was disturbingly quiet inside. He could not even see his nanny at first, until they looked over the kitchen table and saw her on the floor. She was covered in flour, butter, cherry sauce, chocolate sauce and honey, where Boris had tried to help, and she was lying on the floor with her trotter wedged under the dishwasher. "'Nanny Piggins,' said Derek politely, "'what are you doing?' "'Trying to get my trotter out of a jar of maraschino cherries, of course,' she snapped. Uh, "'But why is your hand under the dishwasher?' asked Michael. "'I wedged the jar under there so I'd be able to yank my hand free, obviously,' replied Nanny Piggins. "'And it didn't work?' guessed Samantha. "'I got the jar wedged all right,' said Nanny Piggins, "'but it's hard to yank your hand when you're lying on the floor covered in butter. "'I'm too greasy to get traction.' 
Why don't you try pulling me? Boris cries too hard to get a good grip. The children went over and dutifully grabbed hold of their nanny's free arm. Okay, said Derek. We'll pull on three. One, two, wait, called Samantha. Uh, before we pull, I've just got one question. What about, asked Nanny Piggins. If you're looking for baking tips, perhaps you should wait for a more convenient moment. No, I was going to ask, have you tried letting go of the cherry, asked Samantha. What, asked Nanny Piggins, dumbfounded. Well, you got your arm caught in the cherry jar because you were trying to get a cherry out, said Samantha. I was just wondering if you had tried letting go of the cherry to get your arm out. Well, what would be the point of that, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. Why would I want my arm back if it didn't have a cherry at the end? Well, once your arm was out, you could jiggle the cherry out with a fork, suggested Samantha. Nanny Piggins considered this for a long moment as the others watched her mull over the possibilities. All right, said Nanny Piggins, I'll try it. She relaxed her grip and slid her arm out. It worked! Boris, could you lift the dishwasher, please, asked Samantha. Boris lifted the dishwasher, and Samantha picked up the jar containing the one maraschino cherry. She turned the jar upside down, poked the cherry with a fork, and it fell out into her hand. You're a genius, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. Here you are, said Samantha, handing the cherry to her nanny. For your cake. Nanny Piggins picked up the cherry and popped it in her mouth. Oh, I ate that hours ago. I got so cross about my trotter being trapped. I ate the cake to control my temper. What shall we do now? asked Derek. Well, how about we make another Black Forest cherry cake, this time without the cherries, said Nanny Piggins, leaping to her feet. But as she picked up her wooden spoon, she dropped it, crying out, Ow! What's wrong? asked Boris. I think I've sprained my wrist, cried Nanny Piggins. How did that happen? Well, perhaps it has something to do with your trying to yank your trotter out of a cherry jar, suggested Derek politely. Or put in a dishwasher on your hand, added Samantha. Or having a ten-foot-tall bear pull on you while you had a dishwasher on your hand, added Michael. Hmm, said Nanny Piggins. I suppose it could have been that. Quick, said Boris. Medicinal ice cream! Good idea, said Nanny Piggins. Chocolate chip, please. Not for eating, said Boris. For your hand, to reduce the swelling. Well, can't my mouth have some too, asked Nanny Piggins, to reduce the swelling from the inside out. So they all sat around and ate ice cream to help reduce the swelling of Nanny Piggins' trotter, proving that a few thousand calories is a very effective anaesthetic. OK, what are we going to do now, asked Nanny Piggins, as she licked the last smear from the bottom of the ice cream container. Well, we're getting our photos taken tomorrow at school, and you are going to give me a haircut, Samantha reminded her. But I've sprained my scissor hand, said Nanny Piggins. I don't think I can do it. The ice cream has dulled the pain and reduced the swelling, but I still don't have full movement in my trotter. Oh, said Samantha, trying hard to be brave. Oh, never mind. It doesn't matter. My hair looks all right. Don't be ridiculous, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. No child of mine will go just all right. If your photograph is going to be taken, you need to look fabulous. She does realise technically we're not her children, Derek whispered to Boris. On some level, I think she does, admitted Boris. But it's not for want of yelling at the people at the adoption office. You will get a haircut, declared Nanny Piggins, and at the very finest establishment in town. Michael, get on the phone and ring Nanny Anne. Why, asked Michael. I want to find out where she gets her haircut, said Nanny Piggins, so we can be sure that we don't go there. We don't want you to come away looking like a plastic doll. 
And so, after half an hour of frantic research that involved the children ringing all their friends to find out where they got their haircuts, then Nanny Piggins ringing all these hair salons and quizzing them on the latest hair fashions, they made an appointment and set out. The boys and Boris came along too because there was a park just up the road from the salon, so they planned to play a good game of guerrilla warfare while Nanny Piggins and Samantha were occupied. Boris was very good at playing guerrilla warfare because back in the circus, he had a dear friend called Harold who was a guerrilla. Harold had taught him all the tactics, the main one being to climb up a tree when no one is looking, then jump on your enemy's head. And let me tell you, if a 700-kilogram bear drops on your head, they almost always win. When they entered the salon, Nanny Piggins was taken aback. It was a sterile-looking place, with all the furnishings being black, white or metallic. But it was the hairdressers themselves who caught the eye. If you looked at their faces, they looked like perfectly ordinary people that you might see on the bus. But it was hard to notice their faces when they had such extraordinary hair. One woman had long, bright purple hair on one side of her head, sticking out in sharp spikes, while the other side of her head was completely shaven bald. Another woman had normal coloured hair, but it was so puffed up, tangled and messy, she looked like she'd been pulled through a hedge backwards. Nanny Piggins, in fact, double-checked the back of her head to see if there were any birds' nests that needed liberating. And there was a man whose head was entirely shaved bald, and his scalp was so shiny, Nanny Piggins and Samantha kept being blinded as he moved about and light glinted off it. "'That man should use his head to signal aeroplanes,' said Nanny Piggins. "'Perhaps he does,' said Samantha. "'Can I help you?' said a young, surly woman, who looked like helping anybody was the last thing she would ever willingly do. "'We have an appointment booked under the name Green,' said Nanny Piggins.' Oh, this way, said the surly young woman. I'll wash your hair. No need, said Nanny Piggins. She washed it this morning. We always wash hair first. It needs to be wet to cut it, said the woman. Haven't you got a bucket of water you can just tip over her head, asked Nanny Piggins. It would be much quicker. The shampoo is included in the price, said the surly woman, becoming even more surly. What a cheek, said Nanny Piggins, forcing someone to pay to have their hair washed when it's already clean. It's all right, said Samantha. No, it's not, said Nanny Piggins. Apart from anything else, we don't have time to faff about. The boys are playing guerrilla warfare up the road, and I don't want us to miss out entirely. Samantha did not want to create a scene. She hated scenes, and scenes that involved Nanny Piggins often devolved into violence. Why don't you go and play with the boys, suggested Samantha. I'll be all right here on my own. Are you sure, asked Nanny Piggins. I don't want to come back and find you've been kidnapped. I've never heard of a hairdresser kidnapping a client before, said Samantha. No, agreed Nanny Piggins. But are you entirely sure these people are hairdressers? They look more like circus folk to me. A nose ring and a few tattoos and they'd be indistinguishable from your average freak show attraction. I'll be fine, said Samantha. And so Nanny Piggins left, after drawing several diagrams, showing several cut-out pictures from fashion magazines, and leaving detailed written instructions with the hairdresser, explaining how she wanted Samantha to look when she got back. Nanny Piggins and the boys had a wonderful time at the park. First, Nanny Piggins caught Derek, Michael and Boris, and tied them up with vines. But then, when her attention was distracted by a passing ice cream van, they escaped and threw her in a muddy puddle. Then she chased them around the park several times, pretending to be a mud monster. These were just the sort of spirited games which made 45 minutes seem like three seconds. So Nanny Piggins was soon looking at her watch and saying, Oh, we'd better go back and pick Samantha up. Her haircut should be finished by now. But things did not go to plan. When they arrived at the hair salon, Nanny Piggins started to panic. She has been kidnapped! 
exclaimed Nanny Piggins. I knew these people looked like carnies. They've shipped her off to Madagascar to learn tumbling. Nanny Piggins, cried a voice. It's all right. I'm over here. Nanny Piggins froze. That sounded like Samantha, but I don't see her anywhere. Over here. Nanny Piggins, Boris and the boys saw an arm waving at them, but the person who waved the arm was unrecognisable. It looked like a girl who'd been sleeping rough in a ditch full of motor oil. Who are you? demanded Nanny Piggins. And how did you learn to mimic Samantha's voice? It's me, said the voice. I'm Samantha. Nanny Piggins squinted and tilted her head first to one side and then the other. Then she gave the girl a good hard pinch. Ow! said Samantha. It is Samantha! exclaimed Nanny Piggins. I'd know that ow anywhere. You poor girl! What have they done to you? They cut my hair, then they put it in a treatment, then they styled it, said Samantha. Why didn't you stop them? asked Nanny Piggins. Whoever did this to you was clearly deranged. That's why I didn't stop them, said Samantha. She was deranged and holding pointy scissors, so I didn't want to make her angry. You poor girl, said Nanny Piggins, clutching the unrecognisable Samantha to her chest. Don't worry, someone will pay for this terrible crime that's been committed against your hair follicles. After Nanny Piggins had chased the hairdressers around the salon several times while yelling denouncements about their vandalization of a poor girl's head, the hairdressers broke down in tears and confessed. We've been giving people the most dreadful haircuts we could think of for years, admitted the sobbing chief hairdresser, sobbing partly because she'd been found out to be a fraud and partly because running around the salon was the first exercise she'd had in seven years. But why? said Nanny Piggins. Your hairdressers, don't you have any professional pride? You don't know what it's like, sniffed the hairdresser. People sit down to get a haircut and they just start complaining. They drone on and on about their miserable lives. It wears you down. I can understand, conceded Nanny Piggins. It makes me sad to hear about people's problems, especially when they could almost always be solved simply by eating cake. Anyway, continued the hairdresser, one day I just cracked. This woman was complaining about how her husband always left his wet towel on the arm of the sofa and I hacked half her hair off. But the thing was, she didn't get angry. She loved it. She thought it was the height of avant-garde fashion. The fool, said Nanny Piggins, shaking her head. Everyone knows partial baldness is only attractive in very wealthy men. Then all her friends came in, wanting trendy haircuts, said the hairdresser. The more I wrecked their hair, the more they loved it. We were booked out. Well, you should be thoroughly ashamed of yourself, said Nanny Piggins. Just because people are silly enough not to know better is no excuse to make them look dreadful. I'm sorry, said the hairdresser. Nanny Piggins looked at her watch. It's getting late in the day, so I haven't got time to take over your shop, revolutionise your business model and turn this into the most successful hairdressing salon ever. At least not today. But what about my hair, wailed Samantha. The photo is being taken tomorrow. Samantha, dear, I may be brilliant at cannon blasting, circus skills, artistic inventions and scientific breakthroughs as it applies to cake. I may shock and astound the world at least once a month with my undiscovered talent for new and different things. But even I cannot make your hair grow back in 24 hours, said Nanny Piggins. Samantha started to weep. My dear child, there is no need to despair, said Nanny Piggins, wrapping her in a big hug, then wrapping Boris in a big hug too, because he always started to cry once someone else had started. Admittedly, you will have to go around looking simply dreadful for several months until your hair grows back, but there is no reason why we can't fix your photograph tomorrow. What do you mean? sniffed Samantha. A 
photograph is just a chemical capturing of light rays as they enter a tiny hole at the front of a camera, said Nanny Piggins. Altering reality is very difficult, but altering light rays as they appear at a tiny given point shouldn't be too hard at all. How, asked Derek, are you going to strap a mirror to Samantha's head? That would certainly solve the problem, said Nanny Piggins, but I think we can come up with a less crude plan. Just give me a night to think on it. We'll have creme brulee for dinner. Caramelised cream always gives me tremendous ideas in my dreams. Hey, parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. The next morning, the children sat at the dining table, eagerly awaiting for Nanny Piggins to appear and tell them what her plan was. Samantha was particularly anxious. She was always anxious about something, but having a haircut that made her look like she'd been attacked by a very angry hedge trimmer had made her even more anxious than usual. The children did not have to wait long. Nanny Piggins soon burst out of the kitchen carrying plates full of waffles covered with chocolate, ice cream and strawberries. Good morning, said Nanny Piggins. Isn't it a beautiful day? Anyone for a chocolate-covered waffle? So, said Samantha, what's the plan? Nanny Piggins looked puzzled. To eat until we're almost but not quite sick? Isn't that the plan for every breakfast time? No, about my hair, wailed Samantha. You were going to come up with a plan for the school photograph today so that my hair wouldn't be permanently recorded for all posterity for my children and my children's children to laugh at for generations to come. Oh dear, said Nanny Piggins. I entirely forgot. But you said creme brulee would make you come up with an idea in your sleep, yelled Samantha, starting to weep hysterically. It did, said Nanny Piggins. It gave me the idea to serve waffles with chocolate ice cream as well as chocolate sauce with strawberries dipped in chocolate. And an extra silver spittoon on the table that you can spit the strawberries into once the chocolate's been sucked off. The children looked at the spittoon. That is a brilliant idea, said Derek. But what about my hair? (laughs) sobbed Samantha. Eat some waffles, suggested Nanny Piggins. It won't seem nearly so bad after you've eaten a few million calories. And don't worry, I said I would see to it and I will. It must be hours until you have your photograph taken. Two hours and 18 minutes, sniffed Samantha. You see, that's buckets of time for me to come up with a brilliant plan and save the day, said Nanny Piggins. Have a waffle. They're particularly good if you put on so much chocolate sauce that you can't see the waffle anymore. And so, when they left for school, Samantha was in a chocolate-addled state. What are you going to do? Derek whispered to his nanny as they walked to the bus stop. I could always stop the photographer from getting to the school, mused Nanny Piggins. I'm sure I still have my kidnapping sack somewhere. You can't kidnap him, said Michael. The police sergeant let you off with a warning for kidnapping five times in the last six months. If you do it again, he'll get so cross. Hmm, I suppose, said Nanny Piggins reluctantly. But don't worry, I'm sure I'll think of something. And so the children rode to school. Samantha spent the whole journey with a paper bag over her head, partly so no one would have to look at her haircut and partly to stop herself from hyperventilating. The photograph was to be taken immediately before recess. The morning dragged for poor Samantha. She seriously considered taking matters into her own hands by leaping out of the window and running away. But her classroom was on the second floor and much as she did not want to get her photograph taken, she wanted to break her legs even less. 
when the teacher instructed all the students to make their way down to the school oval, Samantha's feet felt like they were made of lead. If only they were, then she could get lead poisoning, which would be an excellent excuse to call an ambulance and be whisked to hospital. As the students were all being arranged in rows on raised bleachers, Samantha had a brief opportunity to speak to Derek. "'Where's Nanny Piggins?' Samantha asked. "'I haven't seen her,' said Derek. "'You don't think she's forgotten, do you?' asked Samantha. "'No, of course not,' said Derek. "'Although the young and the irritable is on right now, "'and watching that can give her sympathetic short-term memory loss, "'like the time Bridge was in a car accident "'and got amnesia from banging his head on the cup holder, "'and Nanny Piggins forgot to make fudgesicles for dinner.' "'I'm doomed,' said Samantha. "'She would have wept, but she didn't want to make herself look even worse.' The children were arranged according to height, prettiness, and who could be trusted to sit properly in the front row. Being of medium height and looks, Samantha was tucked in the middle, but her head was still visible. And every time Samantha tried to stand behind the girl next to her, one of the teachers would angrily snap, Samantha Green, stand still! Just as the last few students found their places, a panicked buzz spread through the crowd. He's coming! The photographer's coming! Samantha's heart turned to ice. There was no escaping now. This is not good enough, called the photographer. No, 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 it will not do. Samantha perked up. That fake Italian accent sounded familiar. All the blonde children, they will take their jumpers off and they will wrap them around their heads, ordered the photographer. There is too much glare coming off their blonde hair. Samantha looked up. The photographer was wearing a beret and had a pointy little moustache. But underneath this cunning disguise, he was clearly Boris. Hooray! cheered Samantha, making everyone turn and stare at her for reasons other than her ridiculous hair. But we can't let the children put jumpers on their heads. The parents will complain, complained Headmaster Pimplestock. Boris sucked in a deep breath, puffed out his chest, and loomed over the headmaster. Who is the photographer here? You or me? Headmaster Pimplestock was unaccustomed to being questioned, let alone menacingly confronted. And being a big cowdy custard, he immediately backed down. I'm going to my office. If no parents want to pay for their photos, it's not my problem. Excellent, said Boris. I am an artiste. I do not need such a silly man criticising my artistic vision. All right, children. I will be handing around permanent markers and I want you to draw fake moustaches on yourselves. It will make the boys look older and more sophisticated and the girls look mysterious. The young students gleefully followed all Boris's instructions. No child likes the way they look in a traditional school photograph. Really, it's very cruel to force children to have a formal photograph taken in their ugliest outfit, their school uniform. Fortunately, Boris brought enough feather boas and pirate hats for everyone, so the horrible green tartan and grey shirts were soon well hidden. Now, children, said Boris, in the past you have taken photographs where you stand and smile. This is true, yes? The children all nodded. Well, I will have none of that, declared Boris. Do you hear? The children again nodded. When I take my photograph, I want it to be an action photograph, said Boris. So think of what you will do. How do you want to be remembered? Will you stick out your tongue? Will you poke your finger in your neighbor's ear? Will you put your hand in front of your face because you have a particularly unpleasant pimple? The choice is yours. Is everybody ready? Yes, cheered the children, now genuinely excited to have their school picture taken. Let's do this, said Boris. But before we take the photo, I have one minor adjustment. You, the very nice-looking girl there. Samantha was embarrassed because Boris was pointing at her. Yes, said Samantha in a small voice. I need you to stand behind this, said Boris. 
Boris climbed up into the bleachers carrying a great big board, which he stood up in front of Samantha. When he uncovered it, everyone could see it was one of those wooden outlines that you poke your face through to have your photograph taken. Boris had apparently borrowed this one from the local zoo because when Samantha stuck her face through, it appeared in a kangaroo's pouch, making her look like a cute little joey. But best of all, her hair was entirely obscured by the board. Perfect, called Boris. All right, on the count of three, remember, don't be boring. One, two, three, action! At that moment, every child in the school launched into action. Some wet-willied, some threw their ties in the air, some pretended to be action heroes abseiling out of helicopters. Out of the whole school, only one child smiled beautifully at the camera. And that one child was Samantha Green. What a beautiful photograph, said Nanny Piggins, as they all sat around the kitchen table later that day. You look really lovely. Nanny Piggins gave Samantha a big hug. You are a brilliant photographer, Boris, said Derek. Thank you, said Boris, dabbing away a tear of pride. But what I want to know is, said Michael, where did the real photographer go? Ah, said Nanny Piggins, I will admit I did bump into him on the way to your school. You didn't kidnap him, did you? asked Derek sternly. He isn't locked up in the basement right now, is he? Oh, no, of course not, said Nanny Piggins. Really? asked Derek, suspecting from the growing look of mischievousness on his nanny's face that she had somehow found a loophole. I'll admit there was a little bit of kidnapping, said Nanny Piggins, but I didn't do it. I got him to kidnap me. What? exclaimed the children. But how? asked Michael. When I was rifling through his photography van, trying to come up with a brilliant plan, said Nanny Piggins, I discovered that he'd been shortchanging schools for years. And he was clearly some sort of evil sociopath because he had systematically been throwing away all the good photographs and only sending out the bad photographs, the ones where the children had their eyes closed or something stuck in their teeth or their hair sticking out at weird angles. That explains so much, said Samantha. So when I confronted him and launched into my long list of denouncements, said Nanny Piggins, he kidnapped me. Can you believe it? It was really very rude. He didn't even put a pack of biscuits in the sack before he shoved me into it. No manners at all. Were you all right, worried Samantha. My dear girl, said Nanny Piggins, I was perfectly fine. I had my own packet of biscuits in my pocket, so there wasn't a problem. But it is the principle of the matter. If you are going to kidnap someone, the least you can do is provide refreshments. Even the ringmaster knows that. But how did you escape? asked Michael. All thanks to my dear friend and a true gentleman, said Nanny Piggins fondly, the police sergeant. He stopped the van. He said it was because the brake light was faulty. But I like to think that on some subliminal level, he knew I was inside and that I had a pocket full of his favourite shortbread biscuits. So the photographer was arrested for kidnapping, marvelled Derek. Yes, said Nanny Piggins, which is a good thing, because apparently there are no formal laws against bad photography. There should be, said Boris. And the photographer only has himself to blame if he gets sent to jail, said Nanny Piggins, because I told him that if he was polite to the police sergeant and he baked him a mouth-wateringly delicious cake, the police sergeant would probably let him off with a warning. But the photographer insisted on trying to kick the police sergeant, headbutt the police constable and run off into Henderson's swamp. But they caught him anyway, asked the children. Oh, yes. You know how much the constable enjoys tackling people, said Nanny Piggins. Boris burst into tears. <laughs> 
What's wrong now? asked Nanny Piggins. Nothing's wrong, said Boris. I just love a happy ending. And that is the end of the story. So we'll leave it there. Until next time, when we'll be picking up with the pesky kids, goodbye.